Welcome to the Old Bridge Baptist Church podcast. We hope you find the following sermon to be edifying for your walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at obb.church for more info. Now here's the sermon. It's good to be here with you today. And uh, thanks to everyone with their, uh, who helped, whether in prayer or cleaning the house or helping us move. Um, everything went as well as could be expected in, in a move. Um, everywhere from the loading the truck to the unloading the truck um, to barely fitting everything in. And uh, to me, thinking I could put our belongings in a 10-foot truck and we barely got it in the 16-foot truck. And, uh, and praise God. Praise God for His goodness and His grace. And uh, we appreciate your prayers as we, we settle in. We're um, kind of buried in boxes right now and, and probably have more things than we need. Um, but, uh, but we're here. And again, we, we thank you for that and um, are excited to see the things what God will do um, in us and through us and, and through this church. And I'm going to have you turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1. And we'll continue our series in the book of Philippians. Today we're going to be considering verses uh, 3 to 11. And right off the bat, I want to point out that I believe that verse 11 is the key verse in this um, particular portion of Scripture. And the Bible says in verse 11 of Philippians chapter 1, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. That's the key to this passage today. Jesus Christ has to produce fruits, spiritual fruits in us. You recall in John chapter 15, I think verses 4 or verse 5 around there, where Jesus Christ said, Without me, you can do nothing. That means spiritually. You are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. But listen to this as well. You live the Christian life by faith alone and in Christ alone. The strength of the Christian life is not lived in our power. It is lived by dying to self, by abiding in Christ, and that God living through us, the Trinity. We often think of the Spirit of God. But, but the Trinity in us to make us more like Jesus Christ. And apart from God's power in us, we cannot live the Christian life. The Apostle Paul wrote three times, at least, that I see. In 1 Timothy chapter 1. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says to Timothy, fight the good fight. In 2 Timothy 4, he said, I have fought the good fight. What does he mean there? Well, by saying there's a good fight, he's implying that there's a fight that is a bad fight. There are things that we, uh, there's fights that we take up that are bad. It's a bad testimony. But there is a good fight. And I believe that good fight is the fight to abide in Christ. The battle against our flesh. If you think of it this way, inside of your head, there's one seat that controls our body, our actions, our mind, our hearts. 
but there's two people. It's us or Jesus Christ. And one person only can take the throne of our heart. And so the fight is to fight against our flesh, the fight against our will, to seize control, but to yield our lives to Christ. That is the fight of the Christian life. And I believe that's what verse 11 is talking about. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are, not by ourselves, by Jesus Christ, and then to the glory and praise of God. In other words, Christ takes control. He changes our lives. He makes us different people. He changes our marriages. He changes our families. He changes so many things that he can surprise. Like Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Jesus Christ took a man who was a murderer and persecuting the church of God and made him the greatest missionary this world will ever see. And God gets the glory. So today as we look at verses uh, 3, uh, really verse 3 to 10, because we just looked at verse, verse 11, the title of the message is Benefits of Abiding in Christ. We have to see that this fight to abide in Christ, to fight against our flesh, to fight against worldliness, is a benefit to us and to our families. So what's the benefit? A closer relationship in our close relationships. Our, the people that we are closest with are the ones that we can also fight the most with. But God wants us to have a closer relationship with our closer relationships. Number two, it'll help us in our prayer lives. Prayer is very hard. I find it's one of the most difficult things that I can do. My mind easily drifts. But God wants to help us with that. Abiding in Christ will help. Abiding in Christ produces progressive sanctification or Christian maturity. If we fight to abide in Christ and we're characterized by that, we will mature and grow as Christians as God wants us to. And not be and not feed off of milk when we should be eating spiritual meat. And number four, abiding in Christ gives us insight into God and his word. You want to know about God? You want to have insight and understanding in the word of God? Yes, there is a part of that that is intellectual. We have to study and, and, and consider different words, etc. But the true insight is not an intellectual insight. It is a spiritual one. You want to understand God's word, it's a spiritual one. If we're living in sin and we're not yielding to Christ, we will not have insight into God's word. But God wants that for us. And so we want to see that today. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll consider this. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God. Thank you today as we look at this very important topic. The fight of all fights. The good fight that Paul speaks of. The battle against our flesh. The battle against worldliness. The battle against uh, uh, discouragement. The battle to uh, turn away our flesh. To die to self. To yield our will to Christ. To feed ourselves with the things that are important. Like reading your word. And meditating on your word. And praying. 
and fellowship and reading Christian books and battle against that flesh that doesn't want to do those things. Lord, we need help today. Speak to us. Make this passage clear. Minister to us as you see fit. The Spirit of God dwells in us as believers, and He is ready right now to apply this word to our lives. Personally, you know our struggles right now. And I pray you would speak to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A closer relationship in our close relationships, and I'll probably spend the most time on point one, so don't, don't panic, he's going to be preaching too long today. Um, I'll let you know that ahead of time. A closer relationship in our close relationship. Verse 3, Paul's writing again to the church at Philippi that he planted on a second missionary journey. He's writing back to them about nine years later, remember, from, from prison, from house arrest. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And you see that there's a close relationship. That's the point I'm trying to bring out. There's a close, intimate relationship with this church. They fought battles together, spiritual battles, because they are persecuted, persecuted together. They've known them to each other for a while. Now, I want you to skip verse 4 because I want you to think of that as a, a parenthesis. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, parenthesis, verse 5, for our fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Why is he thanking God? Because we have fellowship. We have a close communion and a close relationship. There isn't a word that God could have used, the Spirit of God could have used, and Paul could have written here, that would have communicated a closer relationship than this. Other than perhaps one. We'll talk about that in, in a moment. But this close intimate relationship they have now notice this our fellowship in the gospel and that means and and he says also from the first day and that means from the time we shared the gospel with you and you got saved you just clicked you were you were put in the the, the uh, melting pot so to speak there is persecution there is not a time for apathy and you read through Acts 16 and you see that persecution. I mean, Paul was in a, in a, in a prison, the Philippian jailer. And by the way, he won the Christ. It's an amazing story. But the point being is they had this close, intimate relationship because of the fact that they were saved and they were surrendered. They were abiding in Christ together from the first day till now. And so, this point that I want to bring out is they had this close, intimate relationship because of their relationship with Christ. And then verse 7 again pulls out, Just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my chains, and I mentioned this before, and I'm bringing this out, and in defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. And Paul says that it's right for me to think this way of you. 
this close relationship because I have in my heart, that means this is close, intimate relationship. Again, that's the point I'm trying to drive in point one. In so much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. That second part goes back to their persecution. You and I were persecuted together, and that brings this relationship even closer. So again, the point we're driving home, point number one, God wants us to have a closer relationship in our close relationships. And I can't think, in fact, I am very confident the scripture teaches, and we're going to just make a, an application here, the closest relationship that you can have is in marriage. Some of us are not married. Or some of some of you, I am married actually. Some are not married. I always want to try to you know include myself in this, but I can't do that in this situation. So some of you are not married. Um, but I want you to apply this to the closest relationship you can think of. But I want to talk about um, marriage for a second, because that is usually when we have, you know, we we know each other so well. And we're with each, with each other so much, we can tend to bicker about little things. Okay? And we need Christ. You've heard this before. It takes three to marry. Right? And you need Christ, and we need to be walking with Christ. And if it's not in the marriage, think of any close relationship, and you need to be walking with Christ. Now, I want to just go back to Genesis chapter 2 here, as we talk about, again... God wants us, an advantage of abiding in Christ is that we can have close relationships in our close relationships. And there's no human relationship that is closer or more intimate than marriage. Now I want to show you this. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, and whenever I do uh, marriage counseling, and especially pre-marriage counseling, I like to turn to this passage in Genesis 2, verse 24, because it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's no other relationship where it speaks of, of the two becoming one flesh. That's the first thing we note here. The second thing we note is the permanence of marriage. And they are joined to his wife. And I always tell people, if any sin has hindered in the past, forget that and always look to the future, right? But for those of us that are married, or when you're going into the marriage, to join together, it means to glue together with the idea that it can't be pulled apart speaks of the permanence of the relationship. But then verse 24, I think, really, really pulls out the fact of how close and intimate marriage is to be. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. That word leave means to forsake his father and mother. Now, the Bible tells us that the, the fifth commandment is to honor your mother and your father. That's not a race. We're always to honor our parents. 
but it's put there to like throw a, a cold water in her face to say the marriage relationship is so strong that it's far stronger than even our relationship with our parents which is a very close relationship but that's what that word means it means to leave it's the same word that's used in Deuteronomy 31 6 and I'll quote it for you when Moses was telling Joshua to go into the promised land he said this be strong and courageous do not fear or be in dread of them that's the people in the land for it is the Lord your God who goes with you and then he says he will not leave you or forsake you that's the same word in the Hebrew so God says your marriage is to be so intimate that it far exceeds the relationship even with your own parents and so again God wants us to be in a close relationship with our close relationships and marriage is the closest now first Peter chapter 2 or excuse me chapter 4 I'm gonna have you turn there with me please first Peter chapter 4 because this is a key verse God wants God is for your marriage God wants a close intimate relationship in marriage God doesn't want bickering God doesn't want fighting God doesn't want that for our children and the thing is marriage is is can be a a lot of work why because you have two people that are both sinners from different cultures and different personalities in this intense relationship and so humanly speaking it can be a battle that's why the divorce rate is so high right but God is for us now I want you to see the difference between abiding in Christ and not abiding in Christ first Peter chapter 4 verse 8 look what he says here and above all things what does that mean that means it's a priority and above all things have fervent love for one another fervent means continuous continuous love for one another and that close relationship and especially in the marriage because now look what it says for love will cover the multitudes of sins what does that mean it means when you know somebody intimately and closely you see their faults and their shortcomings that other people don't see and the tendency is for that to get under our, our skin naturally but when you and I are abiding in Christ those shortcomings we overlook because love overlooks that and says that's okay because I see the totality of the person isn't it interesting in the scriptures that David a man that committed adultery and a man that married or excuse me that that uh, murdered Uriah the Hittite and other men on the front line and Uriah was a was a was a a good man isn't it interesting that God still calls him a man after his own heart 
Isn't it interesting that kings like Asa and Uzziah, who spun out at the end of their careers, isn't it interesting that God still says that they sought God with their hearts and that they were, they were people that, were, that walked with God? You see, God takes the totality. We have the tendency to hone in on some shortcoming of people and, and, and when we have many shortcomings ourselves. But love covers the moments of the sins. You see, when we're abiding in Christ, there's this desire for unity. And we're, when we're abiding in Christ, we're like Moses with the children of Israel when God wanted to wipe them out on more than one occasion and he intercedes for them and makes excuses for them. You see, when we're abiding in Christ, we're overlooking and making excuses and thinking the best for people. Doesn't mean we're excusing uh, habitual sin. Talk about shortcomings and blind spots. That's a massive advantage of abiding in Christ, isn't it? If we're, if in a marriage, both partners are abiding in Christ, just think how great a marriage is with because we're walking with Him. And so God wants, again, our closer relationships to be close relationships. And Paul had that intimate, close relationship with the church of Philippi. Now, I want you to go back to chapter 1. Let's get to our second point. Again, it won't be as long. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, or excuse me, verse 4. I'm going to read verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. The second point is, helps us in our prayer life. Flesh and blood does not relish prayer. We don't. The average Christian prays five minutes a day. And on Reformation Sunday, just read about people like Calvin and Luther and later Spurgeon and others about their prayer life, McShane, and how they poured um, hours in the prayer. It's not easy. It's not easy. We need to be abiding in Christ. In verse 3, it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all. And that little phrase then, with joy. With joy. When Paul thought about the people, the church at Philippi, when he re remembered them, he prayed for them. It shows you that one of the greatest services we can do for one another is pray for each other. For our spouses, for our children, for our parents, for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for people to get saved and make a list, those you'll forget, and keep updating it, I would recommend. But he says, every time I think I pray, make a request for you all, and then again he says, with joy. Now a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 Verse 21 is joy. In other words, when we are abiding in Christ, there's a joy. Brother Mark read 1 John chapter 1 today, and it teaches about abiding in Christ. And it says that when we abide in Christ, I think it was verse 5, 
that our joy is overflowing. You know what that word is? You take a glass, you put it in the sink, you turn the sink on, and you go to fill the glass up, you walk away and forget and come back, and the glass is overflowing with water. That's what that first means. God wants us to be overflowing with joy, and tied into that joy is praying for people. We can pray for people with joy, and maybe not necessarily during the time we're praying, but I think there's a joy afterwards. It's kind of like exercise. Um, every time I go out to run, I'm excited to jog. And as soon as I go about 10 feet, I think, why in the world are you excited to do this? Like what, why? Because as soon as I start, I'm like, I can't wait till this is over. And that's, you know, you hit your second wind or something like that. But then after I did it, there's this joy. And I kind of think that's how it is with prayer. Great if we're praying with joy, but because we're abiding in Christ, he gives us the strength to pray. And afterwards we're like, that's awesome, I did that. But it's not natural. It's a benefit from abiding in Christ. Number three, abiding in Christ produces progressive sanctification. Now Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 to 17, you don't have to turn there, but basically it talks about a war. Inside our hearts as Christians, there is a war that is raging. That's why I believe when Paul said fight the good fight, it's the fight against the flesh. Because the Bible says that the, fight, the flesh lusts or has a strong desire against the spirit. And that could be the Holy Spirit, but also the, 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 um, the reborn believer. The, the believer with the new nature as well. The whole package. The flesh fights against the spiritual aspects of us. Or the Holy Spirit trying to make us like Christ. And the spirit fights, has a strong desire against the flesh. It's not like they're just like, eh, there's a little animosity. They are, they are uh, mortal enemies. And they fight against each other. And there's a war that's, that's waging. Now, progressive sanctification is that from the day we get saved, God is progressively and slowly trying to wean us off our desires of the flesh and the world and our desires more on spiritual things. And it's a process. Abiding in Christ is instantaneous. We abide in Christ. We yield our will to him. But there's a battle. But the more we abide in Christ and the years that go on, what should happen is that our desires to, to, to abide in Christ and our desires for spiritual things increase and the desires for fleshly things in this world decrease. It's almost like, and this is kind of a crude illustration, but it's almost like the methadone program. Somebody is, is, um, is hooked on heroin. And so the theory of the methadone program is this, heroin is so addictive, it's like impossible to get off of. And so we give him this other chemical, this other drug, and that 
lessens the desire for heroin. And so they're okay now getting off of heroin and being on this drug. And then the idea is let's gradually then lessen this dosage because this is less addictive. That's the theory behind it. It's kind of how it is progressive sanctification. God is lessening our desire for the things of this world and increasing our desire for spiritual things. Okay? Lessening our desire for, for entertainment or television and things like that and increasing the desire for his word, for Christian books, for his fellowship with each other, etc. And to, um, to yield to his word and to want to be abiding in Christ. Now, verse 6 kind of brings this out in chapter 1. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's the good work? Sanctification. God is making us more like Christ. He's changing us. And God will continue to do that work in us. In Hebrews chapter 8, the Bible says that God's law is written on your heart and your mind. That's why inside of you as a believer, when we sin, we want to get right with God and get, get back in fellowship with Him. Because there's this desire, just like the flesh has a desire to feed itself, there's a desire in our new nature to want to obey God and His words because it's written on our heart. It's part of the new covenant. It's not completely fulfilled, but it's partially fulfilled. But God continues to do this work in us. Note the one that's doing the work. God is doing it. We can't make ourselves like Christ. Without Him, we can do nothing. But we do need to yield. But God, as He began the good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's speaking of when Christ returns. It's going to continue to do that until Christ comes back, or by implication, until we die. And then there won't be need for it. Now, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2, because I want you to see something. This work that God does in us, on one hand, it's probably best put, again, as we look at Reformation Sunday, although St. Augustine came way before the Reformation, he was still very instrumental in the Reformation because of his writings. He was a believer. His later writings. He was a believer. He wrote many good things. Early on he wrote some not so good things. But he got saved. But he said this. Now listen to this. This is very important. Pray as if everything depends on God. Your sanctification. Your marriage. Your relationship with your children. God to help you at work. Etc. Everything to pray it depends on God. Pray that way. But then he said this. But you work as if everything depends on you. You see, abiding in Christ is not just let go and let God. That's part of it. But the Bible speaks a lot about work. Okay? But it's under God's power. Now, remember, it depends on God. Therefore, my beloved, verse 12, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but 
now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You got saved. God saved you. And when you get saved, God is sanctifying you. God is doing the work. And it's almost like a carpet. What happened to you is slowly being rolled out, right? Just like Abraham. Abraham got saved in Genesis 15. Abraham and Conan, Genesis 15, 6. Romans chapter 4 verifies that. That's when he got saved. But Abraham offered Isaac later. And it was about 25, 16, about 40 years later. And in James chapter 2, verse 21, God says, look, you can see that Abraham got saved because look what he did. Look how he grew. That's the working out. God is working out our salvation. God is showing the world this person got saved. And look at the fruits. Look at the evidence of the salvation. That's the idea. But when it says work, it means that we need to work at this process of sanctification that God's working in us. It's almost paradoxical, isn't it? Remember, can't do anything apart from Christ, but then work. For example, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. Exercise yourself to godliness, right? Exercise yourself to godliness. Bodily exercise, profit a little, and, but godliness, dot, dot, dot. Exercise yourself. The word for exercise there is the word we get um, gymnasium from. Okay? It's also a word they use in those days in, in, in um, Greek, uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. Okay? It actually has a root word of, of, of naked in Greco-Roman wrestling. And when they did Greco-Roman wrestling, they would take off their clothes and oil themselves and that sounds kind of gross, but they did that for an advantage, okay? So guys would slip off of each other. But Greco-Roman wrestling, anybody said any wrestling, it's, it's a struggle. Wrestling is a great struggle. Exercise yourself for that. You want to be godly? You got to work at it. You got to read, you got to pray, you got to meditate on scriptures, you got to read Christian books, you got to be in fellowship with others. It just doesn't happen. You want to be good at a musical instrument? You have to work at it. You want to be good at a sport? You have to work at it. You want to be good at school? You have to work at it. You want to be good at work? You have to work at it. You want to be close to God? You have to work at it. Just doesn't happen, right? Now, look at Philippians 2.13, again, the balance of it. For it is God who works in you, both to will and do for his good pleasure. Remember Augustine. Work as everything depends on you. It doesn't. Pray as everything depends on God. It does. For it is God who works in you. He is making us more like Christ. He's doing the work. Both to will. Why do I have desire to obey God's will? Because God is working in us. And to do. There are times that I would pray to God and say, God, I know what I should do, but I don't have the desire to do it. My flesh has risen up. I am asking you to work in me to change my desires and give me the desire what I should do. God works with that. God works with that. 
I had Brother Mark read Psalm 15 this morning as well. And verse 2 is a very critical psalm for our sanctification and our, our walk with God. It says the person who dwells in God's presence, walks in this holy hill, or we could say is abiding in Christ, is the person who speaks truth in this heart. Truth about ourselves. God, my attitude is wrong. I need you to help me. God works with that. God works with that. The problem is, and again in 1 John, the problem is when we say, we don't have sin. I don't have sin. Well, now we're in trouble. Now we're not in fellowship with God. And now we're walking in the flesh. And we saw last week when we're walking in the flesh, the flesh wants to take us down a very dark road. And so abiding in Christ produces sanctification. But again, it's an area that we have to pray as if everything depends on God because it does. But then we have to work as if it depends on us. Now, last point. Abiding in Christ gives us insight into God and his word. Go back to chapter 1, please. Chapter 1. Now, we looked at verse 7 already. Verse 8. I should have talked about that earlier, but let me just read it. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. This points again to a close, intimate relationship that Philippians had, that Paul had with the church of Philippi. I should have made that tied to the point one. But you see that word, where the phrase where it says, how greatly I long for you, he says there, that longing. That word is the same word that's used in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, when it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Now think about that. Now people don't like to hear this, okay? And if you... If you have a baby and you don't want to hear this, then do this, okay? It's not that bad. Babies are the most selfish beings on the face of the earth. I know because we had four of them, okay? And my wife knows much more because she did more of the work. But babies don't sit there and say, I'm hungry. And you say, yeah, no problem. I'll be there in a minute because I got to do this. Doesn't work with babies, does it? Rah! Right? Why? I want that milk. Not thinking about anything else. That's the same word here as a point of interest. Paul says, as a baby desires that milk, that's how much I long for you. So I wanted to point that out again, that close relationship. Now, abiding in Christ gives us insight into God's word. Look at verse 9, because this, this gives us... I think this points to this. And this I pray. Now here's Paul's prayer. He's praying for them, right? But he's praying for this. He's praying for spiritual things. That your love may abound still more and more. Okay? He wants their love to, to bound, to continue to grow. Okay? More and more in knowledge and all discernment. Again, abound is above and beyond. Okay? I want this thing to really go. In knowledge. And knowledge there is the word you've heard me say before, gnosko. It's an experiential knowledge. You could say this. I want your love 
and your relationship with God to abound and abound and abound more and more. That's what I'm praying. I am praying that your relationship with God will continue to abound and continue to abound and continue to grow. And this word Gnosko has a little phrase on the front, it's epi, which means it's intensified. I want your, your relationship with God to grow and grow and grow, and, and I can't say it anymore with more intensity, is the idea. That's my prayer for you. And so, he wants us, abiding in Christ is the thing that will give us insight into God. As we grow in our relationship with God, think of God as a person, because he is a person, okay? So you have a relationship with a person, and you start, think about even when you're dating your spouse. You know, you're, you're dating that person, and you're trying to get to know the person. You're building a relationship. And how do you do that? You talk, you hang out, you communicate, you begin to open up to each other, etc. Well, that's the same as God. It's any relationship. We are to build a relationship with God, but listen, we, just like with our spouse, or just think of someone else you're building a relationship with, or have built a relationship with, we want to know more about that person. And that's the same with God, right? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is, is that I want to know more about God. I want to know what makes Him happy. I want to know what makes Him sad. I want to know what pleases Him. I want to know more about His character. But that can only happen when we're abiding in Christ. But isn't it amazing that the creator of the universe says that I want to know, I already know you, but I want you to know me. Remember Moses? He knew God what? He knew God face to face. No one knew God like Moses. He knew him face to face. Face-to-face -face is intimate because he's look, when you're face-to-face -face with somebody, you're looking at the expressions. You're looking at the eyes. And that means you're almost with that expression. We're looking through them. That's what God wants. God wants you to know him face-to-face. -face, but you got to work at it. you got to yield. you got to die. And you got to work at it. But it happens by abiding in Christ. It gives us insight into God. Also this, though. It gives us understanding in the God's word. Look what he says now. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge. We talked about that. And all discernment. Now discernment kind of to me would probably be a word that would mean um, the ability to understand good and evil. You can cut through what's good and what's evil. But I don't think that's what this word, in fact I'm, I'm sure that's not exactly what this word means. This word means more of perception, to perceive something. God wants us to have insight into his word and to perceive things. In Luke chapter 9, and you can look there later because I'm running low on time here, but in verses 43 to 45, he continued to tell his disciples that I am going to die on a cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And they didn't hear it. Because their mindset was political deliver, political deliver, political deliver. You're going to set up your kingdom. You're going to defeat the Romans and you're going to set up your kingdom. And that was a legitimate offer. But the Jews rejected it. 
So now that's put aside, right? And in that passage in Luke chapter 9, verses 43 to 45, in fact, let me just turn, turn, turn there, there for a second, because I want us to see this, because I want to see, I believe the best way you can get meanings of the words is by seeing how that word is used in a sentence, right? It's one of the best ways you can determine what does a word mean. It's, it's determined by how that used word is used in different sentences. And when I have found this word is used more uh, as, as perception. Now look at verse chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 44. It's almost like Christ is frustrated at this point. Look at verse 44. Let these words sink down into your ears. You know why? Like, you're not getting it. So let me say it again. Okay? The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. And again, as he told them before, and he's going to be killed. Okay? Get that. Now look at verse 45. But they did not understand the saying, and it was hidden for them from them. It's because of their sin. That's because of their blindness. Not that God didn't want to reveal it. Because Mary got it. Mary understood it. Mary was criticized when we, she anointed Jesus with the, with the costly uh, uh, perfume. She got it. It's amazing. They walked with him for three years and she got it. But they didn't. Because she sat at the feet of Christ. But they did not understand this saying and it was hidden from them. So they did not perceive it. That's the word. That's our word. Okay? Perceive. Now, so in Philippians chapter 1, let's go back. Verse 9. Sorry, I'm holding this up, but I just want us to see that because I think it's important. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all perception. I want you to understand the word of God. And that's through abiding in Christ. Understanding spiritual, understanding the word of God is a spiritual activity, not an intellectual. Although, of course, intellect is involved. Now, one last passage and we're done. Because I want you to show you this from the psalm. Psalm 119, verse 99. Let me say a side note. Be behind every false doctrine, there is sin. The reason for false doctrine is because of sin. Psalm 119, verse 99. And I'm not talking about little differences churches have. I'm talking about fundamentals of the faith. Psalm 119, verse 99. Now look what it says. I have more understanding than all of my, now note this, all of my teachers. I understand more than my teachers. Why? For your testimonies are my meditation. Hmm, interesting. Not because I'm smarter. Not because I have a higher IQ. Because I am constantly meditating on the word of God. Which infers I'm abiding in Christ. That's where understanding comes from. Look at verse 100. I understand more than the ancients because I have kept your precepts. I understand more than 
uh, even uh, people that others would brag about and talk about. Why? Why do I understand? Because I keep, I meditate, and I obey the word of God and all points out because I'm abiding in God. Understanding and perception into the scriptures. Why did Mary perceive the resurrection and the disciples who walked with him did it? Because she sat at the feet of Christ. She was a godly. She was a god. At three times she is mentioned and three times she sits at the feet of Christ and she rebukes the apostles. She understood because she sat at the feet of Christ. And so are uh, there benefits to abiding in Christ that we have seen and God lays that out for us to say is a fight worth fighting for. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth of the word of God. We trust and pray that you will take it and apply it as you see fit. And we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old Bridge Baptist Church. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening on. We appreciate your support and we hope you have a God-blessed day.